Welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. In this episode, the inspiring Sandy Cohen joins me for an exploration into life journeys. Sandy is a former journalist with the Associated Press, where she lived what seemed to be the most perfect and glamorous life. And Sandy was attending the most anticipated events of the Hollywood calendar. And of course, who wouldn't love all the tons of free swag that came with that life? She takes us on her journey of discovering how not only was that idealized life not right for her, it was actually creating some serious health issues and how she made the leap from journalist to health coach, inspired to help others from her own struggles. This episode and story takes us through the beauty of learning to recognize what aligns most in our lives and how to embrace the leaps of trust and necessity we sometimes must take along the way. Let's dive in. Welcome to End the Calm Podcast. I'm your host, Georgiana Alexander, founder of Chaos and Calm. I'm an entrepreneur, quantum life explorer, leadership business strategist, and transformation coach. I'm actually obsessed with helping others up-level and connect to their truth. That starts with deep diving into what's possible. This is your community, your home for connection, expansion, learning, and laughter. So join me and my guests each week as we get into all the good stuff, health and wellness, life, business, relationships, and my personal favorite, quantum up-levels. I'm so glad you're here. You belong. Sandy, so excited that you are here. Thank you. Love getting to chat with you. You're such a light and such a bold energy and a mission to really help inspire others through your own journey. Oh, thank you so much. That's so kind of you to say, and and I'm absolutely delighted to be here. Thank you. (laughs) If you could share your story. You've been a journalist for 20 years and in Hollywood, you had this career that everyone has idealized, you know, I was like, wow, you get to go to all these amazing parties and you know, you're shoulder to shoulder with all these A-list celebrities and getting to dress up and all the glamour of life. I love the way that you share this time of your life because from the outside looking in, I think it's so easy for so many of us to idealize different situations. It could be this, it could be a number of other things, but we get stuck in those ideals and feel like sometimes we we get there and it's not what we thought. It's not what was really resonating. And that is exactly your story to tell. And then how you really found what lights you up. Start at the beginning. Tell us about your journey. Sure. Thank you so much. So I am a journalist, as you mentioned. I've grown up here in Los Angeles and I was working at a small daily newspaper and a former colleague of mine from that paper had gotten this job at the Associated Press and she emailed me and she was like, hey, Sandy, you know, they're looking for an entertainment writer. I think you'd be good for it. You should apply. I had done some entertainment at this small paper, but it wasn't my main focus by any stretch. And so I said to her, I was like, Laura, they're not going to want me. I work at this super small paper. Don't they want somebody from like the Boston Globe or a really big paper. She's like, well, I don't know, but you know, you should just do it anyway. It's good for you to get your resume out there and you have the interviewing experience, et cetera. So I was like, okay, yeah, you know, that makes sense. She was your universal push. She was your push. And then she was like, full disclosure, if you get hired, I get a recruitment fee. I was like, okay, that's fair. You know, you can take me out to dinner or whatever. So I applied and it wasn't like, oh, I'm dreaming of this job. What I really wanted was to work for a larger outlet, but I had assumed I'd end up working for the LA Times, you know, which is our biggest paper here. But I was like, yeah, she's right. You know, this would be good for 
me to just brush up my resume and the whole thing. Many months went by and I didn't hear anything. So I actually made this plan that I was going to sell all my stuff and travel the world and work as a travel writer because I really love to travel. And I was going to figure out how oh, I could I love like, that plan. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to figure good. out how I could like syndicate my work and could I just like kind of vagabond it and, you know, mm, write from yeah. different places. I even told my parents, this is what I'm going to do. And then I was like, the only reason I wouldn't do that if it is if for some reason the Associated Press calls, you know, <laughs> lo and behold, yeah. uh, they did. I went through that whole interview process. Anyway, ended up getting that job. I was pretty taken aback by the fact that they wanted me. Then once I got the job, I was like, oh, wait, can I curse on your show? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. Free now expression. I Free expression. Because <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Now I actually have to do this job. Yeah. Oh my God. What is this? Oh yeah. Like, wow. Right? Yeah. And it felt like a lot of pressure and I wanted to, of course, do it well. And I'm a very driven type of person. So I wanted to just do it. happens so often, job. right? We have this vision and dream and then we show up and are like, wait a second, what do I do? With yeah. This? Now I really have to do this. And then you have to show up and then, you, and then you find the way, right? And I did. When I first came there, I remember I, I had worn these very buttoned up clothes that weren't really me, but I was just trying to make this impression. Like, I'm serious about this and I'm serious about doing a good job. I remember I barely said peep like the first probably two months working there because I was like, as soon as I start talking, people are going to know I'm really weird. And these people are probably all <laughs> so smart. They probably all have master's degrees and whatever. So I eventually found my footing and I eventually opened my mouth and talked and my job was a crazy job. And it changed a lot actually over the time that I worked there. Cause when I started TMZ was just getting underway. Mm -hmm. So TMZ really for your listeners who follow celebrity news, they'll know TMZ really changed the way we consume yeah. celebrity news because then it all became like very immediate and you need it right now. And oh my God, there's video and, and all this stuff. So when I first started, it was more traditional, mm -hmm. almost like a newspaper style. We would write a feature story. I remember one of my earliest stories was like, are PG films getting more racy? And... <laughs> You know, and so yeah, I'm it was a topic, right? It felt like it was getting racy, and then you throw TMZ into the mix, and it's 24 7 in your face, yes. real life stuff. So it changed from writing about the art, about the art of entertainment, like the album you made or the mm -hmm. film you made or how you, you know, got that performance out of yourself. It changed from that to more about celebrity lives and what are they doing, what kind of divorces and arrests and, you know, the news of celebrity mm -hmm. lives. So that was a change that happened pretty quickly into the job, but I was still just very determined to do well at this job. It was really demanding because I would just spend all my long days at work. And then when I got home, I would read everything I could about entertainment. I would watch entertainment tonight I would you know read people magazine and entertainment weekly and all that stuff to just be like okay totally I really stammers. know this mm -hmm. I know this stuff mm -hmm. I kept thinking okay well I'm gonna get the rhythm of this job and then I'll have time to like exercise and see my parents and find a boyfriend and have stuff that like life that balance again yes because I was giving everything I had to the there job. was always the carrot the carrot moving forward is that what you felt like that it was always shifting? Well, I had assumed that I would just adjust to the rhythm because what had happened in my journalism career was I worked at a weekly for several mm -hmm. years and then I worked at a daily and switching from a weekly to a daily, there was obviously a change in pace because with a daily you're writing today and it comes out tomorrow. The wire service was even faster because you're writing today and it comes out like an hour after you're done. So I had assumed that I would just get used to this pace the and then I could find a rhythm. It was very challenging for me to find a rhythm. There was never a slowdown in the pacing. So that being what it is, my job itself was what anyone would say was super 
exciting and glamorous. I was going to a lot of events. I was, you know, covering maybe a court case. I remember like when Lindsay Lohan was getting in trouble with DUIs, I would cover that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, maybe that weekend I would cover like a movie junket, which meant in interviewing all the people who were starring in the movie. So it was a lot of celebrity interviews, a lot of celebrity news, and then all the award shows. Most of those award shows Mm -hmm. are held in Los Angeles and all the ones that were, I covered. So I'd be at the MTV Awards and the Grammy Awards and the Emmy Awards and the Golden Globes and the Oscars, which the Oscars are my favorite. So this was my job. And I kept hoping that I would find a better rhythm. That better rhythm did not present itself naturally. So I had to start learning how to set better boundaries for myself. Like, okay, maybe I shouldn't work all weekend and then all week. I felt like I was so busy with work that when I had a free day, I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to make any plans. I didn't want to have to be anywhere at any certain time. Kind of disconnect to cope with the the schedule. Yeah, that's how I felt. And so, I mean, I kept this job for a really long time. I worked there for more than 12 years. So it it went over these different incarnations, but ultimately I'm so that, so that this story doesn't take like a week. Um, (laughs) Listen, I'm here for it. And I get it because I lived in LA for a really long time as well. And I know that being in LA, you see one set of lens from living in LA. And I know that from living outside of LA for a really long time, there was this glamour to everything that happened in LA. It might still be that way. It's, you know, it's such a parallel to, I think, a lot of other things that we glamorize in, in different lives. Like we glamorize different jobs or when I get married or when I have the family or when I do this or when I do that. We see the ideal picture of what we think that that inside life looks like and it's what we strive towards and it's what we put in all this effort and keep moving the carrots forward right of what we really feel inside of what we know our soul is calling to us for like for you in this case it was self-care friends balance a life a life for yourself right yes so it was calling you deeply and you just kept pushing it off because it wasn't in the picture of this idealized life that you kind of wanted to push and you want to reach that challenge you want to show up for it. Yes, that's exactly right. I wanted to, you know, do my job well. I wanted to be good at it. And I care a lot about being factual and accurate in my work. So I wanted that. I care a lot about writing. I wanted my writing to be good. I had placed that success or that idea of success over my own well-being. And Mm -hmm. eventually it really caught up with me. What happened was I started to have health problems. Well, first of all, I started to drink more and I would like drink after work. (laughs) I would drink at events. I wasn't like a fall down drunk or anything, but like alcohol. No, but was... it, it kind of comes with the territory. It's around and then you got to stay up and you, you know, socialize and you end up drinking a lot more than you realize you are. That was happening. I was also using pot because, you know, California, like it's here, it's available. So I was sort of chemically unwinding rather than mm-hmm. psychologically unwinding. And it ended up that I started to have some health issues. I had this exhaustion that I couldn't shake. And I went to the doctor and I, I just went to like my regular GP. I remember her saying, and I was young. I was like, why is this happening? Like, I'm young. I'm in my thirties. This should not yeah. be an issue. I remember her saying, well, you know, sleep eight hours a night, eat three meals a day and exercise three times a week. And if you still feel this way, we'll start doing some tests. And I was like, oh man, it's going to be that basic. It's that basic. Like literally she <laughs> told me to do what we all know what we're supposed to do. And I didn't do it. How hard was that? Yeah, yeah I didn't do it. It was it. so hard you didn't do it in that place. Yeah, I didn't do it. Things 
just got worse. And eventually I felt like I had the flu. I felt like I couldn't get out of bed. I, I just felt like I really couldn't get out of bed. I was like, you know what? I think I need, and it was so terrifying. I was like, I think something's wrong with my brain. I think I need to call a psychiatrist. Mm. And I was so scared and who wants something to be wrong with their brain? Nobody, but I did. And I remember this is how desperate I was. I called the psychiatrist and they were like, you know, I don't know what I thought. Like they would say, come on over. You know, they didn't, they were like, okay, we can see you next week at whatever time. I remember thinking, oh my God, I have to survive a week feeling this way. Wow. Yeah. It was really bad. Yeah. It was really bad. So that was kind of my journey to have like got diagnosed with depression. That's what that GP had been hinting at. Like if you don't start taking care of these things, you know, it's going to hit you. It's it's going to hit you. I guess before that happened, I never really realized that we could kind of direct ourselves towards depression in the same way that some people can direct themselves towards diabetes. It's Mm -hmm. a lifestyle situation. Mm -hmm. And if you're not taking care of yourself, it can have consequences that are real, that are like a real disease kind of real. And then set up for other diseases and longer, even more underlying stuff. Yeah. So that it is real. Yeah, it's real. So that forced me to kind of make some changes. I mean, you know, when you have something wrong with your brain, you start to take it much more seriously than just like, oh, I'll sleep on the weekend. And I was like, okay, this is really scary. Uh, Because I had never had any health problems. Always been so lucky to be just very healthy and whatever. So that had me creating better boundaries. I still was not ready to release this job. I still thought it was super cool in many Mm -hmm. ways that I got to do what I did. And I also, over this time, many, many newspapers had closed. So journalism itself was not what it had been when I had started. So I had this fear that if I left this job, I would be leaving journalism altogether. Mm -hmm. I got into journalism because I believe it's integral to democracy. I think that an informed populace is essential for voting and for making good decisions and for the way we we regard our communities and neighborhoods and states and the entire country. So I believe in it. I love your voice. I love that. Thank you. Yes, Sandy. Yeah. So I believe in it really, really deeply. And even though I was covering entertainment and that obviously was of no great consequence to democracy, I I still believe deeply in the ideals of journalism and didn't want to let it go. And what really changed things for me, and I apologize if this will alienate Uh, any listeners, but what really changed things for me was the election of Donald Trump. And when that happened, oh, let me back up a minute. One thing I had noticed, given this perspective that I have about journalism being essential to an informed populace, was I noticed that entertainment news was sort of supplanting what I would call like real news. Like Mm. you didn't have to know what was happening in the state or in the country. If you were up on the Kardashians, you could have a conversation about current events. If you knew the latest- it, It was a big shift. If you knew the latest of what was going on with Britney Spears, I mean, look at Britney Spears story even still is front page New York Times. But this was a shift where like if you knew what was going on with the celebrity news, you could kind of have a conversation about current events without knowing anything of what was going on of like actual consequence Mm -hmm. to our communities and our nation. And then that started to make me feel like, ooh, is what I'm doing a disservice and actually antithetical to what I believe about journalism? Like, is this bad? When Donald Trump was elected, I was like, oh, yeah, it is totally bad. It is totally bad because it would be easy to be transfixed by the glamour of a television star and a multimillionaire without having that sort of more balanced, more informed perspective on the nation and the priorities and what we need to be doing. I feel like we saw that shift too, even with Schwarzenegger. Yes. As our governor in California. And honestly, even before like 
almost before our time with Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan, yeah. And mm -hmm. so I hadn't put it together. I remember one time when it was when Britney Spears first started having her troubles and I was covering it and I had gone out to some kind of like women's mixer, a women's mm -hmm. professional mixer. And I was having this conversation with a woman who was like a pro bono civil rights attorney. And I remember thinking, damn girl, you're really doing something for the world. What am I doing? I'm working so hard, but like, Am I helping? And I remember she was like, yes, you are helping. Because when I get done with my attorney work, I want to read about this stuff, you know? <laughs> and so I justified it to myself in that way for a while. Okay. Like, at least if I'm doing it, I know I'm bringing truth and accuracy to it, right? I'm not sensationalizing it. I am telling the truth. Which is and hugely valuable. You showing up from that intention in and of itself. At least to contribute a clear voice, you know, yes. an, un an unbiased voice. Yeah. Like, I would do proper journalism, interview both sides and tell you what they said. But after the election of, of Trump, I just started to think like, I don't know if I can in good faith continue to do this work that seems to me to be closing half my eyes to, to what I truly believe inside. Mm -hmm. also, and I've, he I've heard that so much from a number of friends in journalism who've now stepped out of journalism because they've held the same sentiment that they can't show up and have to close their eyes. I mean, it's Trump, not Trump. It's not necessarily that. It's about everything, even in current waters where they're having to close their eyes and close their opinions and close their reporting and just say what they're being told to say. So many people are just not sitting well with that because it's not journalism anymore at that point. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the Associated Press continues to practice exemplary journalism. I just mm -hmm. felt like for me, spending so much time and energy to write about celebrities was just not actually helping the world. And it sounds so lofty, but so what? Like when I would think, okay, if writing and talking to people is my gift, which maybe it is, then there must be a better way to use it. Then I think there's a better yeah. way to use it. Mm -hmm. So I continued to work for a few more years after Trump's election, but I started to think, you know what, I'm going to find a way out. I'm going to find a way out of this. And and I think it's at this point going to be worth it to me to leave, even though this looks glamorous, even though that means I won't go to the Oscars anymore, even though that means I won't get to see movies ahead of other people anymore. And I won't get all the free stuff because we got so much free swag. And no, I won't get that anymore. <laughs> swag is really good. It was I like I was really <laughs> bummed about giving that up. But like, even though yeah. I won't get that anymore, that it's going to make better sense for me to to do something new. Also, because, you know, I'm not independently wealthy. I have to continue to work. And I mm -hmm. thought that I won't survive doing this another 20 years. I'll, I'll become an alcoholic or a major depressive or something like that. Mm -hmm. My constitution cannot hold up for 20 Everything more years. Everything your body was just telling you it was time. It was time, it was time to go. How did you feel that calling? Now you've shifted gears into health and wellness. You're getting your master's in health. Right. I would come home from work sometimes and cry. That's like quite clearly not good. <laughs> like, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, a good cry is good sometimes, right? We want to yes, show up and this was release, not that. But when you're crying because you're in pain for the life you're having to uphold and pretend that that's a pretty clear sign that your soul is asking for something different. Yes. Over this time with setting better boundaries, I was able to find a partner. And I remember telling him one time I got home and I was crying. I was like, oh, I can't believe I'm still doing this. I remember saying, I just feel so far away from myself. Mm, yeah. So with his support, I mean, that really helped me to have his support.
support, not just his emotional support, but knowing, you know, with the way our structure is like, I was worried about being able to afford my health insurance and my rent if I gave up my job and how much savings yeah. did I have, et cetera. So I just, I devised my exit plan. I planned for a year. I decided to just save all my money. Don't buy anything frivolous, you know, just save, save, save. I like built a website that showcased my writing and I got business cards and I started kind of like surreptitiously telling people who I thought maybe I could do some writing for them that, you know, I'm, I'm leaving after the next Oscars. I'm leaving. I love it that you timed it for the Oscars too. I You're timed like, I need it. one more Oscar. I timed it to the, <laughs> and I knew I was leaving. So let me tell you this. I covered the Oscars for 18 years and I, our past, I have crossed in a, in a couple of different places. Dude, sure. they probably did. Yeah. They probably yeah. did. <laughs> and so for the last Oscars that I covered, I wore the same dress that I had worn to the very first Oscars that I had oh, covered. Because wow. I knew that I, no one knew. I mean, my bosses didn't know and only my closest colleagues and friends knew. I knew that I was doing that. So that was like a little bit, you know, my own little thing. So I made this big plan and I said, this is when I'm going to leave. And, you know, and I wanted to leave on good terms. There was no fault of the AP. That's just the way that that job works, you yeah, know? And yeah. it was no fault of, of Hollywood. It's just the way that that's the way stuff, it works. It's just the way it works. And if you're going to work in that industry, that's the pace you'll probably be working at. And mm -hmm. it just wasn't suited to my constitution and I had the health problems to prove it. So yeah, I made that plan and I left. I thought two things. But one, I thought, oh God, I'm stepping into an abyss. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. You're jumping off a cliff without knowing what's on the other side of that cliff. That's what I felt yeah. like. I remember Kevin, my husband told me, no, you're going to find out that you're actually just stepping off a curb. I got to say that it wasn't quite like that. It was more of an abyss because I went from having this like charge, charge, charge work situation to just having nothing. Like all the free time. And, all and the free all time. All the free time. And how, how did you cope with that? Because I know like even talking to people from coming into lockdown, for me, like I've always done really well working at home. I've spent a lot of years as a consultant working and home offices and things and I love it but for so many people it's like this emptiness of schedule and even though you have a lot to do it's kind of this quiet where you're right it's so loud with that churn typically of your schedule and then you're home you're on your own you're doing things on your own how did that feel I felt pretty unmoored and needed to adjust to it it was mm -hmm. not like oh sweet now I'm my own boss and now I can just freelance and I can work out in the middle of the day I mean <laughs> yes those things but it it was not as like an easy transition. It took a while. It took yeah. a while. What really helped you ground in that time period? What worked for you? I had to kind of soul search, honestly. I think that mm -hmm. it had been, you know, many years of kind of pushing myself aside to continue doing well at this job, which I did do well. Like I won awards there. If you just looked at my outside performance, it would have seemed like everything's hunky-dory. So I had to do some soul searching. Like, what do I really want to do? What would I really like to do for another 20 years? And, mm -hmm. and then how can I do it? How yeah. do people do that thing? You know? I think that's the thing that a lot of people overlook, you know, or overestimate um, or underestimate, I should say, when you're making these big shifts, sometimes everything is totally lined up, which in this case, it sounds like it was very much aligned for you or gifted this downtime, whether we want to be or not, where there's this time to sort of process and unwind where we've been to be able to step fully into where we're going. And that's not easy. And I think oftentimes it's not expected. So that really throws a curve for a lot of people. 
difficult, but it sounds like you were able to navigate that and just show up for the work and really let yourself unwind and let yourself go through this process. Well, much like you, I think my timing was the way it was, but I think that the pandemic has provided this kind of unexpected quote unquote opportunity for all of us, right? Like we've had to reevaluate how do we want to spend our time? What really matters? How important is it for me to have that fancy outfit if I'm not going anywhere? I'm going to lie. Same sweatpants, same sweatpants. Dude, but for real. (laughs) Unapologetically. That's right. I think that the entire globe has been faced with this unexpected um, shift. You got a taste of it a little bit earlier, it sounds like. I did. Yeah, Yeah. I did. So you kind of were used to this. Also, another thing that when the pandemic brought about such anxiety, by that point, I had developed a lot of grounding, you know, practices. Yes, tools that that I could use to, to calm myself down. When the pandemic first started, I remember thinking, oh, now everybody knows what anxiety is, but I've known this for a long time. Like I've experienced this and had to either get myself out of it or ground myself down from it or whatever. What are Um, your go-to tools? What what really works best for you? I get enough sleep. That's huge, right? I I get enough sleep every night, every night, at least eight hours. I actually do better with nine. Mm -hmm. So I try to get nine hours of sleep every night and that's not indulgence. That Mm -hmm. is a health practice. Movement. I get outside in the fresh air and move around. The way I approach movement and exercise has changed completely. It used to be very much about wanting to look a certain way and wanting Mm -hmm. to wear a certain size. Now I realize that movement is a hundred percent for my mind and whatever it does for my body is gravy. That's the bonus, you know, (laughs) like that's the bonus. If I get to wear a certain size, that's the bonus. The real benefit is to my mind. And I've softened up on how I work out. It's fine for me to just take a walk. I don't have to do like a hit class. Like it's okay to just to feel good. The walks are, I mean, incredible, especially in the fresh air. I think people don't understand how beneficial and calming to your nervous system. Just a gentle walk, not a power walk, just a gentle walk outside. Just have a walk outside. Even 10 minutes would be life-changing. Well, truly, especially if you feel worked up, if you feel worked up over something, if you can take a 10-minute break and literally walk around the block, I'm not saying go far, I'm saying go around the block, you'll have a different perspective when you come back. So those are two of my really favorite grounding. And I'm always adding to the toolkit, right? I mean, this is like my favorite thing to learn about. So as I learn more, I put in other practices. Now I have a med- meditation practice, mm-hmm. 15 minutes every morning to just follow my breath and be with myself. I lay on my back and I put my hands on my stomach and I just breathe. I started with two minutes, by the way. 15 yeah. minutes is forever. Yeah. Like two <laughs> minutes is forever when you're just starting. But I think the breath does help. You and I have talked about this before that the breath is so powerful for being able to help people into meditation that typically are held back by it, you know, intimidated by it or like, I can't sit still and, and silent and this and that but when you have your breath it gives you that focus point also you're doing good things for yourself with the breath and giving yourself actual energy charges the sleep thing i am such a sleeper as well i can sleep 12 hours sometimes if i really need it i'll I'll take 12 hours and sleep when i need that because i know it's just what my body's asking for and it does feel like we're apologizing a little bit sometimes like "Eh, yeah i like to sleep i like to joke that i'm an adult teenager because i just need that much sleep sometimes but it's not something to apologize for it is how we're built and it is what we need and it does ebb and flow so much better for our mental health and our overall health in in all ways yes yes it's really essential oh i love those tools that's amazing sandy One other thing that I did, and it's been gradual, is, you know, pay attention to what I put inside the organism, right? So it's actually not good to drink 
two to five glasses of wine every day. Believe it or not, <laughs> that's not good for you. They say like a quarter of a cup or a half a cup of red wine was the was the old recommendation. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that I mean, I don't, I don't want to like bash anything, but I think that the the less alcohol you drink is probably the better for your mm -hmm. system. I mean, it mm -hmm. is a toxin. That's why people who overdrink and I'm among these people. That's why you could barf because it's a poison. <laughs> you know, like if you overdrink and you barf, that's why it's a poison. So it's a poison whether you drink five ounces or 35 ounces. Huh. So the less you drink is the better. And also with food, like your body can only make its cells out of what you feed it. That's where it gets mm -hmm. its material. So if you are feeding it, you know, chips and crappy stuff, then the raw material it has for cells is not the highest quality. So I started to pay a lot more attention to trying to eat more vegetables, the basic stuff you've always heard, but there's like validity it's so to basic, it. But it's so overlooked too. We just think it has to be so much more complicated, right? Right. You don't but need like sleep, I didn't add protein breathe, powders. Yeah. Drink water. <laughs> eat whole food. Eat vegetables. You know, yeah. don't don't over drink or like you know over toxin yourself with those yeah. kinds of things. So that has really helped a lot. And I feel like over toxins could apply with drinking food. You know, mm -hmm. even good foods. If you were to overindulge in certain foods, it's still gonna make you barf. Oh, and also what we absorb that's around us with our movies, our books, our conversations our friendships, our family. Those are things that we have to keep in mind too that are really powerful tools to really I'm shift our So I'm so glad you mentioned that because I have been on a news diet. Once I left the news business, I do not consume news the way I used to. I mm -hmm. really limit it. I don't watch any television news at all. I will read the newspaper, but if the headlines look troubling, if there's a school shooting, the headline is enough. I don't need to keep reading. I know what a school yeah. shooting is and I don't need to input that information. It doesn't mean I'm a less active or less passionate citizen. It just means that I guard the input into my brain. Mm -hmm. I don't need to ruminate about a school shooting all day. Like that will not make me a more effective partner, citizen, worker, daughter, sister. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I feel the same way. I have to be really careful. I like the fact that you point out that that doesn't make you less connected to the community because that's not the case. You're actually doing the service by not buying into any dramatization of what is being presented. A school shooting is horrific in and of itself, but then as if that weren't enough, I feel like that a lot of the story that you get just adds in more and more and more energetic drama to that, to magnify it. And that's where I think it really gets toxic for us. And I think so too. Almost addicted to that sensation of so like, for the negative. So we have to come back. And, and just for everyone listening to you, Sandy, I know we, we got off going in a different direction, but you became a health and wellness coach and certified as well as you're getting your master's in health now yes. too. So you're just a wealth of knowledge with all these oh, thank wonderful you. things. As everyone can hear, we can deep dive into all of these things forever and talk about them forever because we're both so passionate about it. I love hearing all of your different tools as well. But yeah, to go back to to our point, it's like you don't give yourself room to even breathe when you start building these brain patterns where you're addicted to the negative. And that could be negative relationships, friendships, news, media. And it's so abundant right now. So it really is the higher vibe choice to make the decision not to watch those things and not to dive into it and take 
the news that you get in really small doses so that you can show up and stay in a vibration that's healthy to you, that's healthy to, as you said, your partners, your friends, your family, and go out into the world and contribute what is going to matter and go out and shift the narrative, right? That's yes. That's what we're being called to. What we are here as humans to do is to uplift and elevate one another. Well, I can actually, I I'll tie it all into a whole big circle and say that one of the things I learned in the health coaching program, I went to University of Wisconsin for the health coaching program. And one of the big like mind blow moments was when the professor said thinking is a health behavior because thinking is a behavior that we do. And I think so often we feel like, well, you know, thinking kind of happens to us and it does. I mean, thoughts arise whether you wish them to or not, but mm -hmm. what you focus on is something that you do. That is that is a choice and it's a practice because it's not easy when you first realize, oh, I can choose what to focus on. It feels like it's just all coming in like willy nilly. So one of the things that I love the most of what I've learned about health coaching and going forward, what I'm doing now with, with my podcast, Inner Peace to Go, and just what I'm doing yes. with my work as a health coach is getting our arms around that thinking is something that we do, that we have a choice in how it all goes down, whether that means limiting news consumption, because I don't want to be thinking about that, or whether mm. that means turning down the volume on my inner critic, because thinking yes. like that is not helping me. That's making me feel shitty, not better. Those are actual health behaviors, because the way we think is the way we feel is the way we behave is the way our life is. So yes, thinking is a critical skill to employ for your own better life. And it's a practice. You know, yeah. it is a practice. It's something just the same as you would learn a new skill set, a new education, a new gym training, right? You have to show up and build the muscles for it. And I think that's the misconception is that thinking, I love that you said that, that it just happens to us. It, it's not like breathing. We automatically breathe, but we do have so much influence over what we think. And it's important to make those choices because what we've formed as our functioning system comes to us from ages, what is it, one to seven? So it's like letting seven-year-old in your life of where you were in your life drive the bus. I just always come back to that analogy of like, where is my seven-year-old self driving me? It is possible to reframe that and it is possible to rewire those tendencies and those thoughts to actually help us achieve the goals that we're wanting to go towards, but that's what we kind of are tugging up against. Yeah, I do think that it's a practice because it's so easy to get carried away with our thoughts. I mean, mm -hmm. I was it's always scary. carried away. Even now, here's what the practice has helped me do is notice it. Oh, if I get into this now, I can tell I'm going to be agitated. So let me just take a break. Let me deal with this tomorrow. Let me deal with this tomorrow after I've had a good sleep, after I can kind of let it mm -hmm. percolate and I don't have to be so reactive. I could be a little bit more responsive and yes. that's the practice. But it's it's not like, oh, that was instant. I just decided not to think about it. No, you work on it. You have to first be aware of even what you are thinking and then be discerning about what would be the better thought here? Could I think about it differently? And so I think, I do think it's a practice. It takes a minute to get to know yourself and then to get to know your thought pattern. get to know yourself. Yeah, and I think that's the key is a lot of times we disconnect from our hearts when we're in our hearts are where our real responses are, right? And so when you're in that reactive state, you're in your headspace, you're in that cycle. Our minds just cycle the same information over and over and over. There's not actual solution and actual answers there that are connected to our well-being. It's just looping the information that we're plugging into it, right? So if you're watching all of these really hard to process news stories, it's just your brain is cycling that and that's why it's looping. Then when we connect into our heart brain, that's the place that's our best friend that knows us through and through, that knows the best thing for us. I always tell the people that I work with, settle down into your heart, ground 
ground down, ground down and take that time to ground down, whatever that looks like for you. For you, it sounds like walking away and sleeping for a bit of time, coming back to it with fresh perspective. For others, I'll have them sit down on the ground somewhere, whether it's outside or just ground down physically. So that way you can get connected to who you are, to what you think, to what you feel and what you are being called to show up for. So I just finished reading this book called Happy Not Perfect. I love to read self-help books and I'm always reading one. So this was a recent <laughs> one. And uh, she talks about how we have four brains. So we have our intellectual brain. Yeah, we have our heart yes. brain. Then we have our gut brain, which is like butterflies in the stomach or like a gut feeling or whatever. And then we have our muscle brain, which is if you notice your muscles like, oh, my shoulders are going up to my ears. Or if you notice like, ah, oh, that feels relaxed. So mm. that was really a, a helpful thing for me to learn because it does help you get out of that intellectual brain, which is spinning and notice these other parts of your body where you can get cues and clues yes. to how you actually feel. Like if you have a sinking feeling in the gut, that's worth you noticing. Sit up and listen to that. Yeah, right? yeah. Your body, our bodies are telling us what we need to know all the time. Like I always say, if we ask the questions to our bodies or our minds, our hearts, we're going to get the answer. Oh. It's going to come to us. I love that. So for you, Sandy, I mean, your body was giving you a very clear message as you came on this journey to like, hey, it is time for something different. What would you say that surrender and trust looked like for you to be able to now move from one journey into the other? What did that look or feel like for you? Well, I had those strong clues with like coming home crying, you know, that feeling mm -hmm. of declaring like I feel so far away from myself. <clears throat> then that opened the inquiry of like, well, what would it look like or feel like to be closer to myself? And what does that even mean? That sounds like so esoteric and far out. <laughs> but I figured there had to be something there or I wouldn't keep having this feeling. It was worth paying attention to and not just pressing through. And like I said, the alcohol was an issue for me because I could tell, oh, this isn't just going to get better on its own. Like this would probably get worse. So those were the big cues to pay attention. The surrender itself felt uncomfortable at first because yeah. I didn't know what was happening. I did kind of feel like it makes me think of like that thing you see in a movie where the person's like, whoa, I'm falling, you know, and then like, you're... <laughs> I kind of felt like that, even though I was not falling anywhere, but I felt like that in my mind. Then just realizing I have the luxury and blessing right now to just try to build. And it did make a huge dent in my income. I mean, I had to mm -hmm. really watch my pennies. That is what it is. But I still felt really blessed. Like, okay, as long as I watch my pennies, I have this opportunity to find out what's up with me. What am I about? What would mm -hmm. I want to do for the next 20 years? That ended up generating its own momentum because it ended up feeling exciting. Like, oh, I could do something different. I could try something new. That's when I started looking into the health coaching program. I've always been interested in health, especially after my own health felt so challenged by the stresses of my job mm -hmm. that I knew I was not alone in that. And I thought I'd like to be a part of that solution for yeah. my Myself yeah. and for others. Like I know mm -hmm. from working in that business that there's so many people who are completely stressed out and very externally focused and maybe I could be of service there. And that just set off this whole journey at once I got the health coaching certification and started working with people and they were like doing better and feeling better. I was like, oh my God, this works. And then that's what inspired me to continue for this master's in public health. I'm about halfway through that now. It's exciting. It's, it's exciting to be like in my forties and in, in college. <laughs> that's cool. I would not have guessed that for myself, you know, but I'm into it. It just makes me feel more excited about life and about being able to contribute, being able to serve, being able to be a light for someone. If I can work with them or connect with them in some way. And that feels like a real gift to me. It just mm -hmm. feels like a huge gift to me 
I would say for people who are considering this path, maybe anticipate that there's going to be some time of adjustment where you might feel a little unmoored. As long as you keep putting one foot in front of the other, even as baby step, even if it's just like little centimeter by centimeter, you're going towards where you're going to find yourself more. Yourself more. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. It's very, very true. I always use the analogy about it's like jumping off a cliff and I can always tell in my life when my life is ready for a new pivot. It just feels like you're either going to get pushed off the cliff or you need to take the leap off the cliff, right? And the first couple of times you actually, it feels like you have to get pushed off because you you don't want to move. You don't want to move and then you're falling and it's terrifying and you feel completely uprooted. You don't know what's next. And it's just hard to get yourself forward because you can't feel comfortable in that place of surrender. What I like to say is the more that you can learn to jump off that cliff, the metaphorical cliff. I don't want anybody jumping off real cliffs. Right. Do not <laughs> jump off a cliff. She's not saying jump off a cliff. <laughs> Definitely not jumping off the cliff. <laughs> but the metaphorical cliffs. For me, I think I've been through these moments of huge shift in trust so many times. I think I've become almost, not really addicted, but almost addicted to this sensation of knowing, oh, it's time for something new. And then jumping off the cliff and knowing that the more I surrender to that and the more I kind of just move and flow with it, the better and easier it feels. And the faster things can show up in my life to shift. And I think that's where the longer disconnects really take place is when we grab hold to the past or grab hold to ourselves and don't really know where we're standing or where we're supposed to be standing, or what it feels like. The more that we can find surrender in those places and just come into trust of knowing ourselves, our souls know where we are and what we're doing or else we wouldn't have felt called to that direction, right? So yes. the more we can just relax in that space, the faster everything moves, the easier it becomes. And then the more natural that feeling, like for me, it's almost exciting. I'm like, where's my next clip? I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, you yeah. know? And then I get there and I'm like, oh my God, I'm not ready. You know, and then totally then you, then you jump again too. <laughs> yes. No, I think you're I think that's so astute because it's like growth happens outside of our comfort zone. Yes. So you're yes. gonna feel uncomfortable, but that doesn't mean like shrink back into the life that was making you miserable or the practices that were making you miserable. It means, oh, like okay, this this discomfort, this means growth is happening. Yeah. It's a good thing. It's that, a good thing. That discomfort is a good feeling. Not the ones where, you know, where your body is shrinking in your ear or shrinking it exactly. When we when you contract, that's where you need to pay attention. Yes. And where you feel expansive, even in fear, that's where you can really trust and surrender. Yeah, it's like anticipatory. You're like, ooh, ee, something's happening. You something's know? exciting. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much, Sandy, for showing up and sharing your journey. I just love that we got to talk for you to highlight that it's okay for things to look different than the glossy glamour picture because the real story is actually so much more beautiful and so much more fulfilling. So it's yes. okay if it doesn't look like the ideal that you had in your head. You got to trust your own story. You've done that so beautifully. Thank you. I would say too, you know what? It's not too late. It's not too late to make that pivot if you feel the need to make that pivot. Like don't. So true. Like that was my thing too. Like, oh, I've already invested like, you know, 10 years in this job. Like it's it's okay. It's okay. It can look different. Right? It can look it can different. Be different chapters of life. Yes. 
Yes. And you won't know till you try. You won't know till you try. I was speaking to a woman. We were out with some people who we didn't know. And this woman who was working in Hollywood and she was an editor on like a reality show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you know, I don't know if I could leave because like I'm already 45 and like, what would I do? And I was like, leave, you should do it. You should totally do it. it, Because who knows what's going to happen? You might be so happy. Jump off the metaphorical cliff. Jump (laughs) off the cliff, girl. And she was like a stranger. She was probably like, I didn't ask you for your advice. <laughs> I love it. You're just showing up. I've got your answer. Do it. Do You're going to love it. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. It's never too late. I think it's too late when you're dead. And even then we don't, we don't know. And then, so, even then we don't know. Exactly. We don't know. It's never too late, basically. Yeah. Never too late. Andy, such a pleasure. Tell everyone the name of your podcast. They want to go check that out. You've got so many great tools there for mindset and well-being. It's so great to talk to you. I, I mean, we could seriously talk all day. We'll have to do this again. So my podcast is Inner Peace to Go. If you want to have more of these conversations, this is where to find me. And I'll include all that in the show notes too. So everyone can just click through and find you super fast and easy. Check Sandy out. You're going to love her. She is such a light and amazing person. Thank you so much, Sandy. Thank you. Oh, this was great. Thank you so much. So much fun. Sandy is such an inspiration. I hope listening in has given you a new perspective and lens in your own life journey. Definitely reach out and let me know what resonated most for you. Thank you so much, friends, for listening in. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. There's so much more coming your way, amazing guests, new episodes, and so much happening soon over on Chaos and Calm. Tons of programs, events, and resources to help you on your journey of up levels. Head over to chaoscom.com and while you're there, check out their free resources, tools, and inspiration. You can join in more of the conversation and community by clicking the link below for the In the Calm community. All my love friends, I hope you have the most amazing week ahead and I'll see you soon.